Radio Drone. So, Brian Lewis, what was your favorite way that Dredd shot someone in the face? I'd say probably the uh, the hot shot incendiary round. Seeing someone's head go up. From the inside? From the inside, like a, like a Chinese lantern that's tipped over a little bit. That, that was just really, really nice for me. <laughs> I haven't seen a, a great flare shot to the head like that since Dead Calm. <laughs> and, okay, you can hear Brian's here, Brad's here, and we also have Dave, a.k.a. Max Force, here with us this week as well, because he wants to talk Dread. Dave actually hasn't seen it. I just told him we were talking comic book movies. Well, comic book movies, Dread. <laughs> we're only going to talk Dread, and I'm going to say right now, there's probably going to be some spoilers about Dread. If you don't want to know what happens, maybe skip to the 15-minute mark. Spoiler alert, he shoots people in the fucking head. Throat just cave in after being punched. I actually really liked the corrupt judge getting his whole head exploded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought mm-hmm. that was good. But so I know, well, Dave, you haven't seen it, so for this I'm just going to address Brian and Brad. I loved the movie, and I know both of you did. Yeah, So I think yeah. that's the reason all three of us loved it, especially me as it's a new movie. That's why it's tanking at the box office. <laughs> it's some sort of universe conspiracy against me. Oh, you liked this movie? Then no, no sequels for you. Uh, it's gonna it, the word of mouth on this thing is cr- is crazy good. It's it's gonna find its audience. Well, that and it had almost zero budget really for the type of release it's getting. I mean, it's a pretty low budget movie. Forty five million dollars a low budget movie. Any more? Any more? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not gonna unfortunately in domestic sales, it's not gonna make that back. Just sad because no, to expand on that universe and everything would be would make for some pretty damn good sequels, which we're probably never going to get. But you know, it's if everyone who sees it loves it. It's it's going to have a good shelf life, and uh, you know, hopefully it finds hopefully it finds its audience because it's a it's a damn great movie. I think this movie is honestly going to be the new mirror that everyone holds up to as this is what you do with a non superhero movie. I mean, obviously everyone thinks the Avengers is the best, but prior to the Avengers, and even the new Marvel movies of the last maybe five, six years, I think most people said that about The Crow. That The Crow was probably the best comic book movie ever made. I think Dread's now going to take that spot. It's Like I said, I, I, I can't say enough good about that movie. I mean, you could see Brian and Brian's uh, glowing review on it, and of all the movies that we've uh, done reviews for vlog style like that this one for uh, was probably unanimously got the most positive comments in terms of people who went to go see it and people who loved it like i i, I can't think of the, of the last time we reviewed something like that where in the comments pages they loved it about as much as we did and see my thing is and you know i'm i'm a, I'm a nitpicky guy i had three minor quibbles all, let me all guess, three that's of which all you're gonna talk about no, no, no. <laughs> Except here's the qualifier. All three of the quibbles, I know exactly why they changed it. All three of my things were things changed from the comic book. And I know exactly why all three were done. And that was the colors being all the kind of drab and washed out. The comic book has very vibrant popping colors, like lots of cherry reds and aqua blues. So yeah. that kind of gray color palette was kind of not Judge Dreddish. The, the altered vehicles and costumes, but again... I think I, I think that was done to avoid any comparison with the Stallone movie, which was very accurate to the costumes and the vehicles, and then them swearing in the movie. Because in the comic book, 
they they don't swear. They have made up swear words like drock or things oh, like that. So as soon as cracked. so it, yeah, as, as soon as they as soon as they started swearing in our swear words, I kind of went mm. all right. That just annoyed me for like five seconds, and then I said, "Screw it, this is awesome." And I'm sure you thought about that five seconds on the entire ride home. On the ride home, yeah, but not <laughs> not during the rest of the movie. <laughs> so th- that was my only three quibbles, Brad. You gave me some points for that. You have to. Yeah, yeah, of course I do. For a new movie, to me, for me to only have three things that are all really minor quibbles. Those are just changes that I think had to be made for that kind of movie. Um, I love the Dredger and comic books, the 2008 series. I, I love them, but that costume, those colors, for the type of tone that they're going for and the type of tone you actually get from the comic books, the colors don't match it. It's part of the fun of the comics, but it's not going to work on screen. Right, which is why I said I understood why it was changed. And the same thing with the swearing. It would have sounded awkward the what the movie they were going for if they'd gone drock this or we're you know, we're drocked now. Yeah. It no, wouldn't absolutely. have sounded right. It would have sounded weird. And so I get why it was changed. Well no, I mean I, I, I agree with the uh the swear thing is that it was a necessary change because, like it would have felt out of place. I mean, I, I I know that it's it's what they do in the book, but like for certain things like Battlestar Galactica when it was uh the sci-fi channel series, they had to use words like frack and stuff like that because they couldn't they they just couldn't get by saying the real thing. And this would have just felt like they were showing like incredibly grotesque and graphic acts of violence but then they were afraid to actually say a bad word. So that that would have been really, really awkward. But even, like, the color thing, like, I can really forgive that because you can even still tell, like, you know, the, the arm guards and the stuff like that on the costume. They are a green hue. It's just really, really dark. But, yeah, it would have looked really odd with him just, like, out there with, like, a day glow, like, lime green bits on his on his uniform. No, and like I said, I agreed with all that. I agreed with why all those changes were made, because the 1995 movie was absolutely horrendous, except on a visual level. They got the (laughs) sets, the vehicles, and the costumes dead on from the book. Dave, I I mean, you would say that. Don't go there. (laughs) Dave, if you're a fan of the 2000 AD stuff, do you agree with me on that, that that's the one thing the Stallone movie got right was the visuals? Oh, absolutely. The... I remember when the Stallone Dread movie came out, and my first thought was, oh my god, they nailed the costume. fairly young, but even then I was like, oh my god, it looks perfect. And then it came out, and it was just god-awful. But, but well, One it, thing I, I didn't get with the Stallone one, though, was why they changed the helmet. I mean, he, granted, he only wears it for, what, like five minutes out of that full movie, but <laughs> why why did they change, like, the one little bit about it, like... The little the 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 part in the middle where the red crosses over. Why did they change that? That just seemed weird. There was only like one this. moment. There was a one moment in the Stallone movie I thought was really witty, and that was addressing the lack of helmet, where Rob Schneider couldn't recognize him until he covered up the top half of his face. I thought, okay, I, I I thought that was okay. That was kind of witty right there. Kind of witty, but they took the helmet off. You never see Judge Dredd's face. <laughs> yeah, and and I I imagine that that they got, they might have changed that in the Stallone one because when you do look at him with that helmet on, you can still see his eyes through the yeah. thing. It's it's dark, but it's transparent enough to where you still see his eyes through it. 
I imagine that that's probably why they took that off in there, if I, if I were to take a guess. I think it was probably Stallone's ego. You don't hire someone like Stallone and then cover his face up the whole time. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I think that, that was, that was, wasn't that Jean-Claude's reason why he quit Predator? Because he didn't realize he'd be under makeup the whole time? I think they mentioned that on the commentary on the DVD that he thought, you know, you were going to see Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie, and that's why he quit. The Dread movie was relatively accurate. All of you, why do you think this is so hard to make an accurate comic adaptation? Why do you think they deviate so much? And even with the Avengers and everyone praising it, it deviates pretty hardcore from the comic versions. So even that you can't call an accurate comic adaptation. Why is well, this so difficult? I don't think it's difficult. I think it just depends on the type of movie you're going to make. The past three Batman movies, uh, Dark Knight Rises, I thought was god-awful, but the first two were great films, and they're good Batman movies, but when you really, if you're a Batman person, that's not who Batman is. That's nothing like the comic books. That doesn't make it a bad movie or a bad adaptation. It just depends on the tone and what kind of film you're trying to make. I thought Avengers was actually very, very true to the comics in spirit and in tone, but then... At the same time, if they were doing a very strict adaptation, it wouldn't work. It's such a fantasy world, and it's going from the 60s where it's just completely unbelievable. They do what they have to do to make these things good. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. You know my feelings, so don't even go there. Yeah, <laughs> I do, and you haven't seen it yet. I won't. That man will never get my money again, ever. And that man... <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh man! And that makes your thoughts on it so legit. I wasn't. Was I just bashing the movie? No, I wasn't. I was. Oh saying, yeah, you've never bashed that. At all. I'm not right oh, now. Never. You've never bashed the. Avengers. I'm not right now. Of course you haven't. Just like I've never bashed Eli Roth. You know what the difference between me and you is? I've seen the movies I bitch about. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Tomato hack writer. What's the difference? Joss Whedon is not a hack writer, man. Okay. I'll, I'll give you some things. I hate Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I hate Angel. Doll's House was a great series, and his run on X-Men that got him this job for the Avengers was outstanding. It's the best X-Men run since the Claremont early runs. Outstanding. And he did an amazing job on the Avengers movie. See, I haven't read his X-Men stuff. I've read some of like his Firefly comics and that, but I haven't read his X-Men stuff. Are you an X-Men fan? I used to be. I, I don't like the current iterations of the X-Men, but I, I read them all through the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. I kind of gave up when, when Ileana Rasputin died of the plague. You know, then you'll actually really love his run, honestly. If, if the, the 80s and the early 90s are the stuff you like, you will love his run. Okay, it's not even so much against Joss Whedon. It's against his psycho psychopathic fan base. Oh no, because I mean, I, I mean, I like Firefly. I like Serenity. I can't stand Buffy. I can't stand most of Angel. I like the fifth season. I hated Dollhouse. I, yeah, I love Dollhouse. Oh, I, but his fans are so psychopathic that I mean, I got death threats when I was bashing, and the Avengers hadn't even come out yet, so I was not bashing the movie. I was bashing the hype surrounding the Avengers. I got death threats from his fans over <laughs> bashing the hype around the Avengers the week before its release in theaters. That is a psychopathic fan base. It is, but that's not who he is as a person. Yeah, I mean, I got, I got, you saw how much crap I got after 
we reviewed Dark Knight Rises. You had people making excuses for you. Uh, yeah, that was funny. Uh, maybe it's because you were tired. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I got, I got so much, I got so much flack over that. I didn't like that movie, but that doesn't take away from my enjoyment of Christopher Nolan's other movies. Very finite cases for wonderful adaptations. Uh, and in the most impossible sense, Watchmen was a great adaptation. I, I absolutely loved Watchmen, and I'm one of the few that, I mean, if, if, I know you and Brian are comic book guys, I liked the ending of the movie better than the ending of the comic. Well, if if you've actually ever listened to or read any interviews with Alan Moore, they that that ending to the comic book literally was a fuck you to DC Comics. Well, and they, he, he admitted he kind of pulled it out of his ass too. Yeah, no, well, and that was it. It was DC expected this big payoff, and they were giving him grief, and he just went, you know what, giant squid monster, and that was it. And, and I think the the ending of the movie was much more logical. It it fit better, and it just made more sense. It did fit better. I. I think it made the same amount of sense. I think it's the the same kind of concept. It got got him to the same place. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's in a a sense that makes more seems more logical to the average moviegoer than a giant squid monster would. Brian, in you're, the you're... comic book world, comic book readers were like, "Oh, squid monster, cool. It's a Tuesday, whatever." Yeah, I'm actually <laughs> not just so sure that that would have that would have played out for the non-comic fans, especially yeah. in an arguably realistic tone that the rest of the movie had with it. Absolutely. If they went giant squid monster after two and a half hours, people would have walked out. I would have been happy as hell, but people would have walked out. Well, Brian, you're a comic book fan. Ending of Watchmen, movie or comic? I'd almost have to kind of side with you on this one. Uh, That's got to hurt, huh? I I know. it. I've been... (laughs) I've been dreading the day that I'd have to say that, you know what, I agree with Josh. <laughs> no, but I... I, I journal. <laughs> Dear Diary, today was a seven. <laughs> it, it, was, it was the sort of thing, that, like, yeah, it, it just, it fit the tone a lot better, and like Dave said, like, if they just cut to the squid, it would have seemed just ludicrous. I mean, the the comic had so much more behind it, like the, you know, behind that setup that it, it, by the time it happened, it worked, but it would have seemed really, really odd trying to fit those parts with like those different uh, like writers and painters and all those people that they were using to help with that project and whatever. Like that, that, that the whole bit would have seemed ludicrous in in that movie. It would have just been like odd little segues for no reason, and it, it gave a much better reason i thought for john at the very end just being like uh i'm leaving the earth got kind of weird i'm just (laughs) bye like it it gave a better reason for that than him just suddenly deciding like wow that was odd okay i'm out of (laughs) here like it it actually kind of like he realized the circumstances of everyone is going to blame me and hate me forever i am now the world's number one problem i can live with that though because i'm above all this and him becoming that problem solved more problems than it caught than it caused really in a cold calculating sense yeah like the, that moment where he just kind of like realizes like uh wow yeah you know that does solve a lot of problems okay good job <laughs> glad we had this meeting well what about something like the crow where there were changes made to it but like we were saying about the difference between the squid and the movie ending of the explosions it still got to the same place, and most of the changes made were just cosmetic changes that didn't make a difference, such as 
Ernie Hudson's character of Detective Albrecht in the comics, he's white. Except this is one of those cases where it doesn't matter that they cast a black actor, because I don't think the fact that he's black ever even comes up once in the movie. That it that was a cosmetic change that didn't actually change anything. Well, it, it, I think it helped, too, because, I mean, it you know, it, it would have been a very white, heavy movie aside from that, too. But, but no, it, it, Ernie Hudson just, you know, no matter black or white, I mean, he was just a good fit for that character. Uh, it, it would have been hard to find someone that would have been able to kind of fill that, that same role. Uh, just, just kind of giving it like the, the same level of humanity. All my words Is here. humanity the word you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he really, he, he gave it that feeling like it was an actual person and not a character. I, I, I liked that. He definitely made it his own, his own thing. You know, that, that is, it's such, that's such a minor change in essence that it does, that n- never bothered me when it comes to racial changes with characters unless it's something very specific about the character it, it doesn't bother me um the thor movies where they changed Hemdall's race the part of my brain that knows north's mythology screams at that but the part of me that doesn't give a rat's ass because they cast a great actor for mm. a really cool character that's that's fine it, it, in fact, in comic book movies, it's only really bothered me once, and that was Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin and Daredevil, which mm. it was just bad casting. Uh, Whether I, it's race or not, it was just bad casting. I, I, I gotta argue, I would also say Halle Berry, Catwoman. You know, and the way they were setting up that little universe where Catwoman could be anybody, whoever, is just a bite of cats, who cares? Um, I don't even count that as a movie anymore. <laughs> it's it's barely one, yes. On the radar, that something that happened and it was horrible, and yeah, I don't think that matters because I mean, if you look back in the the Batman TV show, Earth Kit wasn't race specific to who Catwoman should be either. I, I don't yeah. think that matters. And she Eartha became Kitt's Julie still... Newmar. Yeah, but Eartha Kit was still great. You know, it, yeah. I don't think race matters with a character like Catwoman all that much uh, because it's not specific to who that person is. Um, I think race doesn't matter a little bit to Kingpin. Um, if you read the comic books a little bit more. And Michael Clark Duncan's just not that type of, that kind of character. So that is what bugged me about it. Well, Brad, you being the outsider, what, what do you say about cosmetic changes that still get to the same place, but but are changed from the source material seemingly needlessly, whether it helps or hurts the final version of the movie? Um, well, it's hard for me to say in that regard. I, I, I don't really read a lot of comic books. Um, so that's, that's hard. I can, I can paint it more broadly to where, like, if it's, if it's a change and it works, then I think it works. I could say that about anything. I I can say that, like, okay, in comic book movies, if there's changes made to the material that, that weren't in the source material, and it works, then then it then it works. I can even say that about stuff from from novel to screen and stuff like that. If it if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it it doesn't. I I typically don't I typically don't get I typically I typically don't get picky about a lot of stuff in in regards to that. I I I'm more I more so get that way sometimes when it's like a remake of another movie than I do because at least in that particular case it's a source material that I know. But in situations like this, I, I, I don't know how much my 
opinion on it really matters to an extent because it's not like I'm some kind of expert on the source. Well, okay, then let me ask you this. You, since you love Dread so much and you're a non-comic reader, you loving the movie, did that make you want to go out and start reading some of the comics or borrow them from Dave or Brian? Sure, sure. I've I've done that before. I, I've done that before. I did that. Uh, I, I did that when Sin City came out. Sin City would be another one that I think, w whether you liked the movie or the comic, it was a very accurate adaptation of the comic. I felt. And it is. I thought the comic was kind of weak point. to begin with, but as an adaptation, it was almost dead on. Well, the the strength of Sin City, the comic books, is really not in any single story. It's the fact that it's a serial. And he's built this little world, and all these things coexist and happen together. I, I thought it was a fantastic adaptation. As far as comic book movies go, by far the cleanest adaptation. Uh, and there's only minor changes in that from the comic book at all. One of which I know for a fact drives Brad insane. Oh, the strippers keeping their tops on. Yeah, yeah, that that drives me insane in any movie about strippers. <laughs> Why do you hire an actress? Yeah, why do you hire an actress as a stripper who has a no nudity clause? Makes no sense. Yeah, and if if, if you're gonna do that, which don't, but if you are, at least get a good actress. Oh. Ooh, a little Jessica Alba hate there, Brad. Not a Jessica Alba fan. Not a fan. I I think if you give her the right material, if she doesn't have to play somebody brainy, she's actually all right. Machete totally miscast. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Completely misguessed, but I thought she worked well for Sin City. I thought it was she was a good fit for the character because I mean it's a very vapid character. So, but the fact that she wasn't topless in it for what was literally I think one frame in the comic, uh -huh. I don't care. I that that type of thing bothers me. Well, I I thought what really helped that one was uh, and not even so much uh, with like the story keeping it you know almost you know straight from page but just the fact that with that one because of the way the the graphic novel is if they just filmed it like a regular movie <laughs> just just normal color take mickey rourke and don't put all like the prosthetics on him to actually make him look like the character if they didn't do any of that kind of stuff the 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 crazy visual tricks it would have been terrible. I, it, it, even if it was the exact same script, if they just filmed it like a normal movie, it would have been terrible, in my opinion, because it would have lost everything that makes that one particular book so dynamic. Dude, what do you mean? It would have been a great sequel to Johnny Handsome. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, alright, what about comic movies that most people don't realize are comic movies? Like Road to Perdition, Ghost World, A History of Violence, Hardware, Shaun of the Dead. People don't realize that these are all based on comics. So do you still consider them comic movies? If, like in Shaun of the Dead's case, they were based on an eight-page short story that ran in 2000 AD. In Hardware's case, it was a ten-page short story from 2000 AD. Do you consider that still a comic movie? Or just that's where the inspiration came from? Uh, Shaun of the Dead, no, I don't. Because that was, uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, that eight-page story was actually done and published as a means to get the movie made. Same thing with The Fountain, which they published a comic book of far before the movie came Didn't out. they do that with Southland Tales as well? Yeah, they did. Yeah. I don't consider that a comic book movie. Yeah. Um, Ghost World, absolutely. I'm a huge Daniel Close fan. Um, I love that series. 
A lot of people don't realize that the Tom Hanks Road to Perdition is a comic movie. Um, or History of Violence. And because they're so not that genre that people associate with, you know, comic books. Do you think that's part of the problem then, Dave, with the public's perspective of it? That when they hear comic book movie, they expect the Avengers and not Tom Hanks as a gangster or not Viggo Mortensen as a hitman? Well, I don't think anyone's going to go into those movies thinking it's going to be like the Avengers, even if they know it's based on a comic. I just mean, like, when they hear, oh, this is a comic book movie, the image in their head is men with underwear on the outside. Oh, absolutely. That's what people have always thought about comic books. Yeah, I, I could see, like, if someone said, like, it's like, oh, there's a new comic book movie coming out. I mean, your, your first instinct is like, oh, it's going to be like a kid's type thing, or, or at least okay for general audiences. Like, History of Violence, do not take your kids to see that movie. Good Christ. Same with, like, Dread. Like, yeah, it's a comic book movie, but I honestly, you ask a general person on the street, they're not going to know that. Which is no. kind of yeah. sad, really, considering that Judge Dredd is only the most published character in the history of the medium, considering that he's a weekly comic strip on, like, four different books. Yeah, but that's... that's it's also very, very British. You know, on in in England, um, Judge Dredd is probably the most popular comic book character ever. Right? Actually, the movie's doing really well. Yeah, over. No. well he's, <laughs> internationally. Huge. he's huge there, and it's it's... Like, you think of heavy metal, and no one here really gets heavy metal, but it's a French thing, you know? Like, I I love heavy metal. I grew up reading it, but it's a French thing. Like, well, but a lot of people French. don't consider I mean, I've got a heavy metal poster on my wall right now. A lot of people don't consider that a comic movie when that absolutely is a comic movie, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but there's there's so many movies that have been made that are comic book movies that people don't... Tintin was a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. When people think that, they just think, oh, Tintin, he's been around a long time, it's a beloved character, but that's a comic book. There's well, a lot of stuff like that, and I think the real disservice is that when they start promoting things as a comic book movie, they don't give them the kind of attention or great talent that goes behind something like History of Violence or Road to Perdition. Like, I would love to see a Punisher movie that's treated like a serious movie and not like a superhero movie. Punisher mm. Warzone kind of got there with the Punisher side, but the villains were so sure. over the top that they were they were in a different film than Frank Castle was, I think, for Warzone. Absolutely, and well, that's been the problem with every Punisher movie, really, is the Thomas Jane one. I think Thomas Jane was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Was oh, he was sure. almost perfect casting, yes. Yeah, even the Travolta part was great, but the script was weird. Well, see, you here's know, my the- problem with the Punisher stuff, and this is something that I know Brad's going to call me nitpicky about, but the Punisher was never a law enforcement officer. The 89 Punisher? Cop. The Thomas Jane Punisher? FBI agent. Punisher Warzone? Cop. Why, when they adapt him, do they always have to give him a law enforcement background? The character was never a f***ing cop! That's (laughs) just something that bugs the hell out of me! He he was a non-vet, but the problem is when you're trying to make a movie about that now in this day and age... If you try and use that story, you either got to set it in the past or you got to use a much older actor, and no one's going to buy that. No, that I actually think I'd, I'd buy it if they changed it to a different war. Make him a Desert Storm veteran then. You've just killed the age thing, and, and you really haven't changed the history at all. You just oh, change they, what they, war he's a veteran of. That's it. 
Well, they attempted that with the the Thomas Jane one, the Jonathan Hensley version. Um, it was all footage that was uh, the the opening of the script actually takes place in Iraq, and they cut it out. And on the DVD, actually, uh, my brother-in-law animated it, and it's actually it, it makes it much much better. But it's not in the movie, and it's something they cut out, and I don't understand why because that's who the character is. Also, that puncher takes place in Miami for no reason. <laughs> yeah, instead of New York. But but yes. I mean but but what you guys see what I'm saying about in the in the public's mind the Punisher is an ex cop or he's an ex FBI agent yet that was never the character that to me is an unnecessary change that seems to have taken over even in the comics version the in like the Punisher in the Ultimate Universe they made him a cop because he's always a cop when he's on film and it's like that it, that's where the movies are influencing the comics instead of the other way around. And that just bugs the hell out of me. Well, for me, I, I kind of see that as one of those, you know, kind of like necessary changes to, to update things. Because like Dave was saying, like, it, it would be really awkward for them to still try to label him as a non-vet because then you'd have a Punisher that's, you know, in his 50s or 60s. Or like with the, the Thomas Jane version there where they tried doing the uh, the update to Iraq. Sure, that that's very easily doable but as soon as you tell someone like oh he's a he's a former cop you instantly know that like okay he's not just some guy that went out and bought a gun and is now the best guy you could ever see with a gun no you know that he's got training he's got like you don't have to put up that much of a backstory past that to explain why he knows like why does he know how to like wiretap things follow them without being seen oh he's, he's a cop he's got training that stuff boom done it's like a two second backstory instead of trying to fill in all this like well he was in the war and then he he was in like you know like this regimen he was in with these platoon like no he's, he's a cop okay he's got training okay but, but brian now. taking out the ease of it on a storytelling level doesn't it make him a better character when you actually know why and not having the easy out if you're making like two and a half hour punisher movie yeah i would want them to go more in depth but they're never going to do that, so it would just be eating up screen time, in my opinion. And it, honestly, if they were making, you know, like a regular, you know, like hour and a half long Punisher movie like they have been, it would just, I don't know, it, it would feel like way too much backstory. It, it'd just be so much taken up by that, and like, oh, and then eventually he shoots somebody in like the last half hour. I want to see a two and a half hour Punisher movie. I would if too. it's done right, yeah. I, I would love that, um. The recent short that uh, Thomas Jane put out on Dirty Laundry that was so good. It, it was. It was great. And I'd love to see two and a half hours of that with real storytelling and Tom Jane being the Punisher and a good director and stuff like that. I'd love to see it. But sadly, it's not going to happen because when you make a Punisher movie, people want an hour and a half of things blowing up and that's about their attention span. I hate to say it, but it's true. I would love to see a Death Wish type Punisher movie. Mm -hmm. That would be great. But I just don't think that. At this point, Marvel is going to take that kind of risk with the momentum that they're building to step out and do something that much out of the universe that they're building. I think it would be kind of cool, actually, to see like how uh, uh, that one director recently was... like He, he put out that sizzle reel that made for the studio of like his idea for like a gritty, like hard R daredevil movie set in the 70s like i think like a punisher movie as an actual like period piece like that put it back in like the 70s have him yeah. actually just back from you know it's like 
Yeah. Nam's still going on. He's, Nam, the war is not even over yet, kind of thing. And yeah, like have like he just got back from the shit. He doesn't know how to adapt. And all of a sudden, his life is thrown into absolute chaos. I would love to see that be made. Have it just as gritty as you can make it, as brutal as you want to make it. That would, because that's what that character needs. That character doesn't need, you know, like, oh, he shoots, you know, a guy and then you see him fall over. Like, no, I want to see just, just him actually going about, like, I want to see every bit of the process. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have to be just like the comics. Like, I don't need. You know, Frank running around with a gun that shoots swords. I don't need that. It'd be fun, though. <laughs> well, and, and Damn it, Frank. And Brad and I would love the fact that they'd have to recreate 42nd Street from the 70s. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Get Glickenhaus to direct it. I was just about to say, you could just use the excised footage from Exterminator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> use that for a Punisher piece. He, he was... Uh, <laughs> Eastland, uh, uh, he, was, he was a Vietnam vet. I mean, I actually think he was, when you listen to the commentary with Glickenhaus, he doesn't say it, but he's he read a lot of comic books, and I think that the character was very much based off the Punisher, maybe even subconsciously only, but I think that's kind of what he was going for. A character that was developed because of movies like Death Wish and the Charles Monson things coming out, like, that's why he was created. Then he just kind of took off. Well, he, I think he took off because he was so different than everything else Marvel had going. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a, a superhero assassin type guy. But, yeah, they, 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 did, they did monkey with his character they, a lot. But that's where they took him, and I think them taking him there is great. But let's be honest, I love the Punisher, but he's a very one-note character. I, like, I think if you get the right, the correct writer, he's not. Look at like the first dozen issues of Punisher War Journal from the late 80s, the Carl Potts, Jim Lee run. That is not a one-note character that's in those books, not at all. If you get a good writer, you can make this one-dimensional character three-dimensional. Oh, absolutely, and I think that's happened a few times, but when you look at the character as a whole, it is very one-note, because it's just the revenge guy. In recent years, like uh, certain people have taken him and just developed him into, honestly, just a psychopath. He's a sociopath. He's sick in the head and just likes killing people, and that's who he is now, and I think that works better, too, but it's when you're going to make a movie on it and you're going to try and simplify it for a mass audience, it's a revenge story, and revenge stories have an ending. Well, then let me ask you guys this before we run out of time. What do you think about this this Hollywood almost creed that you always have to tell the origin first, such as the new Superman movie? It's dealing with his origin and how he gets his powers again. You know, not like they did in the other Superman movie and the Superman TV series and the Superman cartoon and the Superman radio show and the Superman novels and the Superman comic books. And who in the fuck doesn't know Superman's origin? Why waste two hours on that? You could tell it in the first 15 minutes and then go to a new story. Why do they always seem to go, we've got to tell the origin for people that don't know? Well, they do that in the comics, too. Every couple of years, every character gets their story told again in a new way or different aspects of it. Like, when you look at the Spider-Man origin, it's like three pages long when he first appeared. It's it's barely mentioned, but the origin is what makes that character interesting. Well, and, and you take someone like Jeff Johns, who, like, during his whole run from, like, uh, when they brought back Hal Jordan, like, Johns loves the origin story of Hal Jordan. He would tell it, like, every fifth issue 
they would tell the origin story again. But and also sadly, that's what people want to see, and uh, that that's why I like where Marvel's going, where they're just developing on top of each other. And uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a very good theory. Yes, the, what Marvel's doing, even though I haven't liked the Marvel movies, in in theory, it works quite well, and they developed it rather rather beautifully, actually. Oh yeah, I, I think what they're doing is fantastic and just bizarre and unprecedented, but great. And it's if you're going to build a universe that's Marvel universe, you got to do it kind of like comic books. But the fact that they keep retelling origins for things, yes, it's getting unnecessary. Everybody knows Batman's origin, but if you're going to like in Christopher Nolan's sense, set up a trilogy and set up a sense of things in your style, then how you tell that story specifically is really how you're creating that character for the the way you're using it. But then what about like the Superman thing, the new Superman movie? Do you really need to spend the entire movie developing his powers and him learning how to use his powers and to become Superman? I mean, Brad, you as the non-comic reader, do you really want to see that, or do you want to see Superman acting like Superman for f**k's sake? Well, I think, again, I think that if it works really well, I'll be fine with it. Uh, look at the new Spider-Man that was out. You know, a lot of people harped on that before it did come out about, oh, it's telling the origin story again, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and of course, when I read that, I, I, I was even kind of, I, I was even kind of like, I like, really? They're doing the origin again? But then when I saw it, it worked really, it worked, it worked really well to the point that I like, that I like better than the, uh, than the 2002 one. I thought it did the origin like way better than that one did. I thought it was a way better movie. I, I thought it was a way better movie than than any of the three other Spider-Man movies. So, again, you know, taking whether or not it's completely necessary out of it, I'm not going to say that it's going to be. I'm not going to say that it's going to be bad. It, it could still be. It could still be good. They could still do uh, something something fresh with it. Well, because one thing they haven't tackled in Superman movies that we've seen so far is his childhood with the Kents, like, it's it's briefly mentioned, but, I mean, that is such an important part to who Superman is as a character. Didn't they that, have, like, an eight-season run of that? Oh, fuck that show. <laughs> it's not Superman. It wasn't no, it's not. It wasn't for a reason. because <laughs> it's, it's bad. Yeah, that was, I actually gave up on that show after the second episode. I said, I'm going to give it a chance, gave it a chance, didn't like it. I've, I, you know what, I, I never really, I, I can't, I can't say, I, I, I think I saw like, uh, I think I saw one episode of that and realized right away it wasn't for me. Well, the only reason they got viewership for that many years is because they had people just going, "When's he gonna put on the damn suit?" Does he ever put on the suit? In the, in the, in the very end of the finale. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's ridiculous. It was eight seasons of fanboys sitting there going, just put on the suit so we can stop watching. Yeah, and when is he <laughs> going to end up with Pam the secretary? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think it it really just depends on the movie, in all honesty, because like with uh like how Brad mentioned with Spider-Man, with that one, they almost had to take it back to one because that was such a different Peter Parker than who Tobey Maguire had shown you, that you almost really did need that to get to know him, because if they just jumped into him being Spider-Man, but didn't really give you any time to adjust to the fact that he's kind of like this floppy, awkward kid, and not just, for some reason, the one guy in the school that everyone decides to shit on, you kind of... 
you kind of need that to ease into the character. So I was totally fine. And, and the way that they altered it enough to make it visually and, and, and story-wise stimulating, even for someone like me who, yeah, I've seen Spider-Man's origin story like a thousand times probably in my life. And that one, it was I, I, I didn't feel like I was just watching the same thing again. So with with that, I'm, I'm fine with it. But yeah, with, with like a character like Superman, you could fly to like, Beijing right now pull one random person off the street ask them who Superman is and they will tell you everything about him I I think it's like at this point it's like genetic memory everyone on this planet knows who Superman is you don't have to remind us we know what he does and and it's such a a thing too is like with, with Superman he's always Superman Batman, Spider-Man about any other character depending on who's writing them their temperament is slightly different. Their mood is slightly different. No matter who is doing Superman, he is always Superman. He's the Boy Scout. He he just has to be this one set way or the character doesn't work. And so I I, I really don't think we need another origin story. Like oh and, and like even with like Dread. That character has been around since what? Like seventy seven? Yep, nineteen seventy seven, two thousand AD, number two was his first appearance. He's been around longer than I have by a long shot in a weekly series, and yet when they come out with a movie this year, what kind of backstory do we get? He gives like a one and a half minute monologue before we see his character, and then we just go with it. Really, at the end of that movie, all we really know about Dredd is he is a badass, and his (laughs) name is Dredd. That's it. Judge Joseph Dredd. That's all we know, and you know what? Honestly, that's all we need to know. If if you've never heard anything of Superman, if for whatever reason you've lived under a rock your entire life and have never picked up a book, never heard anything about Superman, if it started off with just like doing some impressive act of superheroics and then just kind of like went on from there, I doubt you'd really be like, well, yeah, but what was he doing when he was four years old? That's my question. <laughs> and see, I mean, that, I, that was, I that was what that I was going to... But what was he like as a baby? Really take me back. <laughs> and see, that th- that also leads me into Blade. They they just gloss over Blade's origin. I mean, it takes up maybe three minutes of screen time total between the three Blade movies. Does that ruin it at all for you with that character that you don't? see how he was raised as a half-vampire? You don't see how he hooked up with Whistler until the TV series? Does does that ruin the character at all for you? To me, no. I mean, the first movie and the third movie and the second half of the second movie actually suck ass, but it doesn't ruin the character to me. No, I mean, I, I was just fine knowing, like, like, oh, there was a thing that happened, he was born half-vampire, and now he hunts them. That's all I needed to know. You know, I again like like the same thing. Like, I don't need to know that. I don't know. He grew up without parents or something, and you know, learned how to use a sword and f- trained for. I I don't care. He shows up and he knows how to hunt these vampires. He knows how to kill them with minimal effort. Okay, I get it. He's obviously trained for this. We're good. We can move on from here. Well, I think that depends on the character because if you look at Superman or Blade. You don't need that much background because you kind of get it pretty quickly. But when you have a character like Batman or Spider-Man, everything depends on the pathos of that character. So you need that backstory. 
I liked how '89 Batman did it too, where you learn you learned it as the movie was going along. Okay, I, liked how that, I really liked how that movie did that. I, I agree with I agree with you on that, Brad. The only thing I hated was the fact that they made Joker the guy that killed his parents, because that was another deviation from the comic that to me just felt unnecessary to go. Oh, see now look at now it's justified when he kills Joker. I didn't think that they did it to justify him killing someone because he's murdering sons of bitches left and right in that movie. Um, Except he's not I, supposed I get, to. Batman's not supposed to kill. That's kind of the point. Yeah. Again. Again. Like. Like I'm. Like I'm in saying. I think in context it works in that movie. It works in. It. It works as a, in that movie that were that didn't bother me. That worked in context to that movie. The first Batman movie, the Burton one, the '89 one. I've been saying for years. I don't think it's that good of a Batman movie. It's a fun movie. It's a great superhero movie, but it's not really a Batman movie because that's not who f***ing Batman is. Um, I think Batman Begins is probably the best Batman movie. Uh, Dark Knight's a great movie, but that's a Harvey Dent movie, not a Batman movie. And I think that new Dark Knight Returns animated movie looks damn good, too. I think it looks god-awful. Really? Oh, I, I think my only complaint, I think Michael Ironside was a better Dark Knight Returns Batman on the Batman animated series than Peter Weller is in this movie, but I'm just a Michael Ironside fanboy, so... Oh, Ironside's awesome. The, the X-Men movies. I didn't like them, and I am an X-Men fan in general. I thought... I, I Again, like the Dread thing, I understand why they changed certain things, but at the same time, as a comic fan, I hated the black leather fetish gear instead of their normal costumes. And yet I realized the normal costumes would have looked goofy on screen. Um, to a certain degree, yeah, but now look at the Avengers where they did the bright colorful costumes and they worked really well. I think it just depends on the tone of the movie you're trying to do, and I think uh, with the X-Men movies, they, the only real references they had for superheroes before that were the Batman movies. And see, and, the, the, the one thing that I hated the most about the X-Men movies was not even the X-Men movies themselves, what those did to the comics. Because they had the nice colorful costumes then they had the black leather in the movies, then to make it more, and Marvel's admitted that, that they did this, to make it more recognizable to the general public, they changed the comic characters to the black leather style. So then that way people that went, oh, well, that's clearly the same character I liked in the movie. Maybe I'll pick up this comic book. That, to me, was just pandering on a just ridiculously stupid level. Well, and all comic book companies are really guilty of that to a certain degree. Marvel's done it for years for different things. I mean, uh, way back when they did the uh, Fantastic Four cartoon and one of the companies wouldn't let them use the Human Torch, they created Herbie! Herbie. Yeah! <laughs> but then they put Herbie in the comic book. Uh, Firestar. Firestar was created for the Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends series, and then she appeared in the comic book. She but appeared she on the cartoon the first. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It's just one of those things that... Yeah, the, the X-Men thing, I agree with you. I don't think... I, I enjoyed X2 quite a bit. It, it's the best of them, besides maybe First Class is great, just basically because of Fastbender. And Kevin Bacon. And Kevin Bacon, but honestly, there hasn't been a really good adaptation of the X-Men yet, but the X-Men in its own is its own universe. Where do you start? What characters do you want? You want to do the fan favorites, you want Wolverine, but if you're telling the origin story, you're not going to get Wolverine. So they have to do what they... I thought they were really well made, thought some of the casting was really well done, but at the same time, and, and, then, and then when you finally did get that. Wolverine, the movie was just god-awful. Yeah, the new one's looking a lot better, though. X-Men Origins Wolverine, 
Brad can call me nitpicky all he wants, but that is one of the stupidest. Just on a every five minutes, I was finding something to complain about just within the logic of the story in that you're movie. Not, you're not, you're not uh, wrong on that one, Josh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to fault you for that. Because that <laughs> movie was god-awful. <laughs> no, no one disagrees with you there. Yeah. Even Hugh Jackman knows that movie's bad. I like how you thought I was gonna disagree with you on X Men Origins Wolverine. Well, you just call me you call me nitpicky on everything, and yes, I am. But well, sometimes, are. but sometimes it's but, justified but so, nitpicky. But I, I get nitpicky too. I'm just a lot better at it than you. Oh, that sounds like a gauntlet <laughs> throw down, motherfucker. I watched the Dave just said I watched the movie first. <laughs> well, we're running out of time anyway, so. Hey, Brian, do you want to say something since you've been trying not to puke this whole show? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Where can we find Dave and Brad? Because Brian's not participating anymore. (laughs) You can find us at thecinemasnob.com. You can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact me at 1201beyond at gmail.com. You guys know the routine. Good night. Go f*** yourself. Come on, God. Answer me. If years I'm asking you why, why are the innocent dead and the guilty alive? Where is justice? Where is punishment? Or have you already answered? Have you already said to the world, here is justice, here is punishment, here